Let's get into the Word of God this morning. I'm excited for today. I know you are as well. Okay, and then we'll get right into that, okay? And we're going we're gonna to find, I know, I believe the Lord's going to do some powerful things in and through us today, and so I'm, I'm excited for this. We're going to sing another song at the end of it, talking about the blood of Jesus. So we're, gonna, we're just going to steer into this and find out what the Lord wants to do today. Uh, but before we kind of really get started, I like to lay a little bit of a foundation going into things again. Uh, just because I know sometimes, you know, people have been gone for the summer, just like to lay a proper foundation so we all go the same direction. And this is a few thoughts the Lord put on my heart this past week, but just to really understand and grasp the heart of Jesus towards his church. There's a lot of different thoughts out there. Why is it so important that you and I have a good grasp on how Jesus views the church? Because for you and I, how you perceive God is how you receive from him. So how do you view God? How do you see him? And you can see that in Matthew chapter 25, a great example of that, is that you have the, the, the men with the talents. You had the guy with the 10, the 5, and the 1. And the, the gentleman with the 1 talent, what did he do as soon as he got it? He hid it because he thought, he, when the Lord came back, he said, I knew you were a harsh, harsh man who would you know, reap where you have not sown. So his perspective of his master caused him to live a certain way. And a lot of times what you see in life is people live a certain way in their life, and sometimes it's a bit off because of their perspective or their view of who Jesus is or what the Father is like. Now, it's crucial because a lot of times people just say, oh, I'm going to go out there and just start preaching. And you have a lot of people going out there and just start preaching something. But if their perspective is off regarding God, so is their preaching. So is the ministry side of it. So it's crucial that we get a really thorough understanding from the Word of God who God says He is to the church. Because again, you could get really mixed ideas. People can have a thought about God over here. People can have a thought over there. But a lot of times what they're saying and sharing is their experience that happened in there. And we can't preach experiences. We preach the Word of God. And from the Word of God, experiences come. Okay? So that's why we have to stick to it. And so Ephesians 5, just to really lay out for you and I, I'm not preaching on husbands and wives this morning, but it really gives a good example. We use this a lot of times. I know concerning weddings, you hear a lot of these these verses, but it's actually not even just talking about husbands and wives. It's actually a mystery regarding Christ and his church. So right here it says, and to the husbands, so if you were a husband this morning, this does apply to you. You are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion. Now look at this, that Christ demonstrated to us. His bride, for he died for us, sacrificing himself. Why? To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Now, verse 27, I love this, the way it brought it out in the Aramaic. It says that all that he does, say with me, all that he does. So this doesn't mean 99% of the time. It means everything he does, every word that comes out of his mouth, every thought that he has, every action he does is designed to make you and I, his church, mature for his pleasure. Until when we become a radiant source of praise to him, uh, to him glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. Now skip down to verse 29. It says, no one abuses his own body, but he pampers it, serving and satisfying its knees. Now notice this. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. Verse 30, he serves and he satisfies us as members of his body. And now that Greek word that you saw for satisfy, it's the word thalpo. And that really means as a, as a mother holds an infant to nourish, to bring close. It actually means to cuddle. So Jesus, he likes to cuddle. 
And a lot of times we, well, I don't like thinking of him that way. Well, you have to change your perspective on him because, yes, he is a loving side. Of course, there's two sides to him. There's that, there's that. Then there's also the fatherhood side where he has to discipline and correct, but he does it not through car accidents. He does it through his word. So you have to make sure you're balanced on both sides because if all you do is living in the nurturing and I just want to be held and snuggle, snuggle, cuddle, and you just like act like elf all the time, <laughs> what happens is you actually get a little bit weird. But if all you do is fix, wrong thinking, bad mindset, if you just constantly stay there, you get religious. So what you and I, we have to be balanced because, yeah, there are times when the father wants to just, hey, jump on my lap. Let's just cuddle. Let's just, let's talk about the word. Let's talk about life. Come on in here. And there's other times where we go, hey, we need to correct some of this thinking because it's off. Come over here. Let me show you now, son, daughter, how it's supposed to be. So we have to be well balanced. So again, how we perceive the father, how we perceive the Lord Jesus Christ is how we receive from him. So it's crucial because clearly what you just saw in Ephesians 5, Jesus loves the church. Come on, y'all. This is huge. He loves the church. One aspect of his love is that he pulls it in close like we just said. He brings it close to his side and he feeds it. He protects her. He nourishes and cuddles, as we said, like a tiny infant. The church is the most priceless thing in the whole world to Jesus. He sees it with no wrinkle or scar of sin's abuse. That's how he views it. Okay, he shed his blood to bring it forth. He sanctified her with his blood, and he's coming back one day for her. Yeehaw, that's what we're waiting for. Now, and to further demonstrate his tender love for the church, Jesus then gave us the Holy Spirit and the fivefold ministry gifts to minister to the church. He is in love with the church. And who's the church? This building? No, it's you and I. Okay. Jesus' heart is so full of grace and mercy towards her, and there are even times where he actually has pity on the church. Now, Jesus is patient with the church when it makes mistakes, because how many know this? I mean, anybody gone to a perfect church before? No, me neither. Okay, good. But what does he do? He works with it. He's got mercy with it. He has grace with it. He works with her. And he nourishes it for the purpose of what? Maturing and bringing her up into the full stature of himself. So it's not like we just come and, yeah, everything's all great. The purpose of our gatherings even, listen, you can watch services from home. Great, well done, awesome. But there's nothing like the corporate gathering when we come together where the Spirit of God is able to say things. He's able to do things in a worship time that just go, oh man, that, that, that impacted me. You could never get that on your own. So he calls us together for what purpose? Is to actually build us up into his image. We're not trying to build an image of, oh yeah, we're well, all impactors. That's not the goal. The goal is to look like him. When we look like him, we can affect here. Now, so encourage yourself this day that Jesus himself is for you and everything he does is to what? Mature and bring you into his likeness. Now, that is why I believe the Lord over this period of time has called us and continue to really reveal to you and I that we have to have our hearts established in this grace. Established in grace means that I'm established in him. And Jesus, he is grace. He is truth. When you have your hearts established in grace, you have your hearts established in truth. And that's what we're going for. I don't want anything else in my heart to be established on. I want my heart, my heart, my life to be established on the rock. And what we find from the word of God is the word of his grace. 
This is what you and I have to really renew our thinking to so that we become effective Christians on this planet. Now, why again is it so important that my heart be established in grace? The main point I want to bring across here is so that I can know him and have true, lasting intimacy with my father. Anybody else desire that? That's what I want. I crave that. I want that more than anything else in my life. So that's why my heart, I'm intentionally establishing my heart in grace. That's why I'm intentionally giving myself to the word of God rather than CNN. Because whatever I'm listening to is molding me. So I want the message of his grace to be molding me, molding my heart, molding my mindset so that I start thinking like this. And to the point where people look and say, he's finally lost his mind. Yes, I have. And what did I gain? I gained the mind of Christ. That's what I want. And that's our calling. It's not just what I want. It's our calling. Now, and it's great to talk about it, but I want to actually see it in my life. So look at this, Daniel eleven thirty two, 32, near the last little bit part of it here. I just want to pull out this sentence. But the people who know their God, not just know about him, but they know him. What is that word know? It's the same Hebrew word in the Old Testament that you see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, where it says Adam knew his wife Eve. What did they have? They had sexual intercourse with each other, and boom, there came, they had a son. This is the same knowing that I can have with God. I can have intimate understanding, intimate relationship with God. That's what I want. Not just talk about them. Just go, yeah, God's good. Amen. Yeah, woo, 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 woo. Play church, check it off, and have a good rest of your day. My intimacy is supposed to affect my tomorrow, my Monday, my Tuesday, all the way throughout this week, throughout my calendar year. It's this knowing him. And what's the result of knowing God? Strength. So how do I, I don't pray for strength. I'm asking God, I, from my knowing him, I will be strong. And what's the result of strength? You will do exploits. Now, again, the purpose of all this is not just to do exploits or powerful things for God. It's to know him. So we're not trying to be here to, oh, I got to do exploits. I want to do amazing things for God. Great. But I'm not going to prostitute the relationship with my father so so I can be popular and people can start liking stuff on Facebook. No, I want to know him. And out of this knowing comes this love and comes these exploits that come forth from you and I. That's the whole heart behind all of this. Now, it's crucial. Look here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2 and 3, it says this, Now may God give you, say with me, give you more and more grace and peace. How? As you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So how does grace and peace be multiplied unto you in my life? Does it come from me asking God for it? No, how does it come? As you grow in your knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So it comes from my relationship with him that it becomes more and more multiplied into my life. Verse 3, he says, by his divine power, God has not one day will. God, you know, is thinking about it. He already has given us. Say with me, given us. What am I doing now? He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have all received all of this by coming to know him. Oh God, I just want, I just need this, I just need that. No, no, no. You need to know him. When you know him, everything that he is, is yours. If you remember the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, the older son, he had a big problem. He hated his younger brother for one. But what the father came up to him and said, all that I have 
is yours. So what's the problem there? Ignorance. Well, guess what? Ignorance can be cured. The word. So you don't have to be stupid anymore. Aren't you thankful for stupidity is curable? It's the word. But if we don't go to the word, guess what's the result? Stupid. It's not about you, but I want to go to the word because I want to lose stupid off of me. And I've done lots of stupid things in my life. But what changes that is the word of God helps me do less stupid things. <sighs> we could just fold it right now and we can go on. That's, that's good. All right. How do you not be stupid? Read the Bible. Okay. Okay. Now, that's a good word right there. Okay. Now, the devil in these days is trying to rob me of my peace. Hell freaks out when a child of God is living with grace and truth, grace and peace. When he sees a believer that's at peace, it's not working. He freaks out. And the result of that freaking out, I mean, you you probably witnessed this yourself, but the more that you start walking in this, you actually start to unleash in the negative sense, hell's fear on you. Satan will do everything he possibly can to get you back into fear and worry. He'll do everything he possibly can through a number of different sources to try to bring you back into this place. Don't let it happen. Why? Because I know him. So then we see this in the end of Peter's letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, how he ended his letter now. So he's explaining you've received everything that you need for godly living through knowing him. But then he gives this command. This is a command for the church. Continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory both now until the day of eternity begins. Amen. So what's the call? Intimacy. That's the call. And I mean, I want to experience more grace. I want to see more peace in my life. There is so much available, Lord. I want to walk in all that. What's that the result of? Of coming to know him through his word. Amen. Amen. Okay, now we can move on. This is why we're taking again the time to establish our hearts and getting our foundation secure. Because some of you go, I've I've heard all this. Good. Because if anything over these last couple of years have revealed is the foundation of man. Where are they at? Where are they not at? This was a good wake-up call for the church. You may have hated it with a passion. Yeah, I did too. But more, if you look a little bit beyond just the natural side of things, what it was at a call for, the foundation needed to be checked up on. First of all, is the plumb line, that righteous standard, being upheld? Or what kind, of, what kind of foundations are we living on? What do I actually believe? Who do I go to when I get into trouble? Because the systems of this world are coming to a halt quicker than we realize. So I don't know about you, but my entire life is not dependent on what they make decisions on in Ottawa, what they say here in Edmonton. I can't go there as a believer. Thank God for him. But what am I doing? My hope, my trust is in Christ alone. He's the source of everything I'll ever need. But how do I get to that place? Through the word of God. Now, that was a phone drop right there. Okay. So what is my life dependent on? My life is completely dependent upon Jesus' perfect obedience towards the Father on my behalf. So let's go here. In John chapter 19, again, verse 30. I don't have that on the screen. But Jesus declared, Taleo. Come on, let's say that together. Taleo! What is Taleo? It is finished. Now, again, we've, we've hit this. We're going to continue to talk about it. Taleo now, again, is an ending of something that has expired, and the other side of the coin is, it is a completed and accomplished work that he did for us, for God. 
So there's two sides. It's an ending of one system, and it's also now the beginning of a new, but it also means that there is a completed or accomplishment that, that he did on our behalf. So what was finished, what was an ending that took place? The law, the old covenant came to an end. That law of performance of my actions towards God, if I do, then God will. That ended, and now the grace time began 2,000 years ago when the church started, and it'll be here until the church leaves. We are in this place of grace, and that's why we have to be knowledgeable of this dispensation. God is not in the God, he's not in the law age anymore. He's in this dispensation of grace. So our message from the church to the world is grace unto you. That's the message. God is good. He loves you. He's gracious towards you. I mean, this stinking old dark world, yeah, you used to be one of them. But then the grace of God slapped you around the road, and all of a sudden, what were you met with? Open arms, and he said, welcome to my family. That's the message that the church brings. Now, (laughs) okay, what was completed? What was accomplished when Jesus said, teleo? The thing that we've been talking for the last little while is this word, redemption. Teleo, redemption, meaning I have been purchased out of the slave market because I could not do that on my own. All of humanity, because of Adam and Eve's trespass or their sin against God, what was the sin? They simply disobeyed what the Father or what God told them to do, right? And as a result now, in this slave market, every child that they had was, came out with their, with their nature, meaning the fallen state of all mankind. So here's Adam and Eve having kids, their kids having kids, and you get the picture all the way down suit to here we are. So you and I were born into this slave market, and a slave can't free a slave. Nobody within this market here, no matter how good they are, no matter how smart they are, no matter how many educations they got, whether they've gone to university and this and all the experience that they had, you cannot free a slave. You need a free man to save the slave. So Jesus came as the vir- from the Virgin Mary, and here he was, out- born outside the slave market, and he said, I'm going to take the penalty of all their sin, yes, the sins that they've committed within it, and more importantly, the root nature was the biggest problem, was the nature of sin that was lodged into Adam and Eve the moment that they trespassed against God. So Jesus said, I took upon myself all sin. Say with me, all sin. That's every sin that you and I would commit. But again, more importantly, is the nature of sin that was lodged on the inside of us because of the fall. He took that upon himself. He died the death with it. And he declared, teleo, meaning I purchased, I accomplished the freedom on their behalf. So now what is the sin here? Because what we read from the word of God, actually, maybe just back up a little bit. Romans 4.25, look at this verse here. It says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, and now he was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. So not only we just celebrate the death, listen, if he didn't rise from the dead, neither can we. That's why our, what we believe in is the resurrection. I believe he died, yeah, but he rose again. And that resurrection is my resurrection. So now what is the sin that this slave market is choosing to live in? It's the denial of Jesus. Jesus took upon himself all of the sins. So there's nobody in this slave market that goes to hell because you're a pervert, a liar, a cheater, a scumbag, 
I mean, you, you put it in here, adulterer, that's all happening within this slave market, right? And it's all horrible, it's all wrong. But what Jesus came to fulfill and fix was the sin nature that caused these sins to come out from. He took care of that. So what is the sin that is absolutely the whole root of everything that's happening in this room? It's the rejection of Jesus Christ. So our message to this, these people that are in here, it's you have to clean up your act. You have to get your crap together before you can come out. Stop doing that. Stop doing this. Why do you think like that, you idiot? No, you can't get out. No, go back in here. Not wait till you fix that up. Then God will accept you. No, that's not the good news. That's old law thinking. The New Testament is the door has been blown open, but how do you come out from darkness? Is the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now look at this in John chapter 16. I got to give you scripture for it. In order to be scriptural, what do you need? All right, so this is where we're going. And when he comes, this is talking about Jesus explaining when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is coming. When he comes, he will convict the world of what? It's sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Okay, now look at this, verse 9. The world's sin is. Okay, here it is. It refuses to believe in me. That's it. That's it. Verse 10, he says, righteousness is available because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no more. Verse 11, he says, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What's he saying there? Is that Satan himself has already been judged. Hell is already his judgment. That's what belongs to him. The lake of fire is in his future. Let him know that, Satan, just so you quick remember, uh, you go in there. It's good to remind him where he's going. That judgment has already been pronounced. He dwells, this is his area, is the slave market. So our message is, get out, get out, get out. How? Through the acknowledgement, verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yes. Saved means snatched away, pulled away from all the destruction that's going to take place here because Satan is already being judged. You don't want the judgment that he gets. I don't want that. Anybody else want that? No, I don't. You don't want that for your worst enemy on this planet either. God came to rescue. Come on now. All right. Now, where was I? Way down here. Is it this simple? Yes. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. This is what this whole message of grace is all about, is that you couldn't do it. You couldn't pay enough. You couldn't dedicate your life enough to get out of the slave market. But God is so rich in mercy because of his great love that he loved us so much that he gave us his son Jesus, and whoever calls on him will be saved. So rather than constantly acknowledging how bad everything is, this is where a lot of religion likes to hang out, how improper, how impure, and sin, 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 it is. Our focus needs to be on Jesus, 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 Jesus. This is what he did. He did it on my behalf, and he did it for you. This is our call, is to preach Jesus to the world. And actually, even to the church folk, they, they need to hear it. A lot, a lot of times what we see even in the Christian world is that, yes, I'm, I'm a born-again believer, but I'm still stuck in this slave market because my thinking hasn't changed. And that's what we're going to get to here. Now, what are we doing? We're magnifying the gift of God rather than the disobedience of Adam. 
what God did in Jesus is far greater than what Satan did in Adam. Look at this, Romans chapter 5, verse 15. He says, now there is no comparison. Say with me, no comparison. Now, what does that mean? They're not even on equal terms. There, it just doesn't even compare. Between Adam's transgression, his sin, and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift, this is what we have to focus on. The magnitude of the gift. This would just change you in my life. Is If you would focus on the gift that you've received. Rather than on the transgression that Adam committed. And I guess why well, I, I keep sinning. I keep doing stupid things too. Yes, we all do stupid things. That's absolutely true. There's no question about it. There is sin. There's things that we've done and it's stupid. But what do I need to do? Rather than staying in the cycle of sin. Of, oh man, con- uh, temptation comes. I messed up. Cycle. Oh, oh, fine. For Lord, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. It's temptation. And you just do this whole cycle over and over and over again. And he's trying to get you and I off that and start looking at the, the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression. It's true, yes. But how much greater? Say with me. How much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus the Messiah, did for me. Yeah, me. Verse 16, and this free-flowing gift, it imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. That was stamped on all of us. Why? Yes, are many sins, but it was because of the nature of man that we heard the verdict guilty because of what Adam did. But this gracious gift, what's the gracious gift? Jesus leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. Now this is the, this is the declaration or the exclamation point that we give to the church is not guilty. Come on, say with me, I'm not guilty. guilty. Now picture yourself in the, in the judge in in a courtroom and the father is your judge. You got to hear that gavel, hit that thing hard. Not guilty. Me, you, not guilty. Come on, say it again. Here goes. Not guilty. I'm not guilty. Who's guilty in this room? Were we? Yeah. We were all in the verdict because we were all in the slave market. But I accepted and fully embraced the gift of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now you have to hear a different verdict. Because what Satan loves to do is the guilty, 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 guilty. Remember what you did? Ah, guilty, guilty, guilty. No, 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 no. You have to get a new ringtone going on in here. Not guilty. Period. But, no, no buts. Not guilty. Why? Because it is a finished work. Meaning he doesn't have to come and refix it. He doesn't have to come and go, oh, I, I forgot about that one sin. I got to come and die again. No. If Jesus had to die for every sin that constantly we'd be committing, he'd be up there for a very long time. So what did he do? Once and forever, he established and secured our redemption for us. Okay, now. So the question is, Have you received the free gift of God's grace revealed through Jesus? If you have, you are given out a brand new nature on the inside of you. 
Second Corinthians 5.17, it says this. If anyone, say with me, anyone. anyone. If anyone, anyone, doesn't matter what your background is, is enfolded into Christ. Yeah. Y'all downstairs, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. I want to read that one more time. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. And it says, other translations say, behold, the fresh and the new has come. So what do I need to understand? This entirely new person, what is he talking about? So we have to really now understand God's design for mankind. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your emotions. It's your will. It's your decision maker. And then you have this physical body. When you called on the name of Jesus, what part of us got saved was our spirit being. So you right now have experienced complete salvation on the inside. The Ephesians chapter 113, it says you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's like an engagement ring. When you called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's as if God proposed to you and said, one day I'm going to come and get you, my bride, and I'm going to bring you to where I am. You got proposed to when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So what happened? The ring got on it. You put a, God put a ring on it real quick. He sealed me. The devil can't get in here. I will never be possessed by a demon. Why? Because there's no room. It's just me and the Holy Ghost. There's nobody else allowed on the inside. And that goes for you too. You called on Jesus, you're locked in. (laughs) Isn't that good news? Now then, the next part of what you are, you have a soul. You are not your emotions. You are not, not all the things that you're feeling. That's not who you are. You have them, but they can be changed. I mean, we know that. They can be changed at the drop of a hat. All of a sudden, you could be watching a movie, and you'd be bawling your face off, and the next part, you're laughing. Why is that? Mood swings are constantly changing. Anybody experience a good mood swing once in a while? Anybody seen a couple mood swings once in a while? Anybody be in a mood swing once in a while? Woo! Lord have mercy. But the good news in that is that now Jesus... He actually purchased our souls with his blood. But now I have to be actively involved in allowing my soul or my mind to be changed. That's now what the the whole message of this gospel is. This is what happened. Get on out. But it doesn't stop there. Now it's you have to change the way that you think to line up with this new nature that you've just received. If I don't do that, if I'm not actively doing that, the default is I'll just go back to this type of thinking. You are a child of God. You are saved. But you will not experience all that heaven purchased for you while you're living on this planet. You'll be one of those struggling Christians that just, oh, you know, I'm bound by this and bound by that and I need deliverance and that. and I need to, It's all la, 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 that great. And I'm all for that type of ministry. I believe it 100%. But how much more longer lasting would it be if you and I went to the word of God and allowed the word to now change the way that I think rather than I just need prayer. Pray for me. For what? That I wouldn't have this anymore. You need to change the way you think. Because what's going to happen three weeks later, you're going to go in the same cycle and they go, I guess there is really no God. And people now start going, I got to deconstruct my faith. And we go and hold back into this whole thing again. Why? Because we're not renewing it to this word. New nature, stupid mindset. 
and I'm stuck. Believers are angry, miserable. It makes no sense. There should be no such thing as a miserable believer. Why? If you knew what he did for you, what this nature looks like now, you'd be happy. Okay. We're all cool there on that. I just had to give you that for free. Okay. So again, kind of what I mentioned, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Why do I keep falling into that same cycle of sin? The mind has not been renewed to line up with the new nature. Now, that does not mean that you and I, there's, we're just going to walk sin-free for the rest of our time. Because people define, what, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Now, we talk about the big sins. We talk about the big stuff. But you know that complaining is a sin? Philippians tells us that do everything without grumbling and complaining. Hey, can you go bring up the garbage? Oh, why? I always got to do that stupid thing. What is that? The Bible calls that sin. So what do I need God, not just for the big stuff. I need him to help me with my attitude. Come on, everyone. Let's sing. Let's raise our hand. I don't want to sing and raise my hand. We, have, we sing way too long. Do you know what that is? Oh, man. So I'm let you just, you know, tap your neighbor a little bit and say, that's, that's you. That's, that's, stop that. Okay. <laughs> As long as I keep thinking I am a sinner, I will keep living in the same cycle of sin. We call that sin consciousness. Jesus came to deliver and free you from sin consciousness. To what? To now having a righteousness mindset or righteousness conscience. So look at this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. (laughs) This is why he says this. Can you guys get down there? Is it frozen or is it? It's a little bit frozen. Okay. So y'all, you got, you got your Bibles? Good. Is it working up there? Oh, okay. It's frozen for me. Okay. I'll have to look with you. Verse 34. It says, awake to what? Okay. What, what is righteousness? It's my right standing. You know, righteousness really is a mindset. So he's saying, awaken to righteousness and sin not. So the message isn't stop sinning and then you become thinking like a righteous person. No, 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 no. Other way around. This is the whole message of grace. You can't stop it on your own. You can't stop looking at porn on your own. You can't stop drinking all that drunk till you get drunk on your own. You can't stop smoking that stuff on your own. You can't stop being depressed on your own. What do you need? You need a revelation of who you are on the inside that he made you to be. As long as you keep talking, sin, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You'll be in the same cycle. Constantly over and over again. So what is the message? What is the gospel? Wake up! To what? What's already happened on the inside of you? Awaken to righteousness and sin not. That's the whole whole purpose. I actually remember I heard a testimony. We were at a a minister's conference. This was a couple years ago when we were allowed to fly and all that. But a while ago... (laughs) We went to one, and this minister was talking about this individual who was constantly smoking. He was cigarettes, this cigarette, that, and he was just saying, I, I, I can't stop it. And so this minister just said, what I want you to do, again, he was quoting this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, awaken to righteousness and sin not. I want you to regularly throughout your day make it a habit and declare over yourself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the guy went like, oh, okay. Like, he said, even between puffs, you light up a new one, start saying it. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time you flick those ashes off it, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time after dinner comes, you light another one, I am the righteousness of God. That's what you do. Ingrain it on the inside until your mind goes, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he did it for a period, I don't know, I think he said six or seven weeks. He just said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden, he came back one day to this minister and said, you'll never guess what. He said, I bet you I can. I have no, listen, no desire for it. Really? Yeah. Well, what happened? Is he became, he became more sin conscious. I got to stop smoking. No, no, no. He woke up to what happened on the inside of him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that was the result. And now here he is completely free. This is for you. No matter where you may be facing right now, you need to know what Jesus did for you is far greater than what Satan ever did against us. Okay. So as I just said, where do we begin with all of this? I have to begin at this place. If I'm looking, where do I start with renewing my mind? If I came out of this place or I've been a Christian for many years and things just don't seem to be working, this is where I start. I am right. I am righteous before my heavenly father. Now, why is this so important for us? Go to Hebrews chapter five here for a moment. But while you're turning there, I want you to see right. What does righteousness mean? It means a right standing before God. Because of what Jesus has done, he looks at me flawless. I stand before my father and he looks at me and he doesn't see a stain on me. There's no sins, abuse on my body. He looks at me and goes, you are perfect in my eyes. But you know what? That's religion talking. See how subtle it is? Yeah, but you, you have to get, there's some sins that God doesn't forget. There's some things that you did that, man, you're going to need some more extra time in prayer. How long do you need? Is the blood not enough? Okay, so this is where it begins. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, it says this, we have much to say about this topic in, in, in context. He's talking about Melchizedek and the high priest and what Jesus was like. He said, it's difficult to explain. Why? Because it's a hard topic? No, because he said, you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. So a lot of times, what's the problem? It's actually how I'm hearing. Hmm. Okay. Huh. So it's not just me and maybe a bad message once in a while. Just just kidding. Okay. Verse 12. He says, for you should already be professors instructing others by now. But instead, you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not ready to digest solid food. So verse 13, he says, For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced. Say it again with me. Pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So what is an infant spiritually? Someone who just doesn't, you know... They don't really clap much in church. What is Im- immature, a childish believer? Is someone whose soul has not been pierced by the revelation of who they are before God because of Jesus. So he says in verse 14, Now solid food is for the mature, now whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with the understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is truly and what is evil and harmful. So if my mind isn't pierced by righteousness, 
What is the dominating thought? Sin. A sin consciousness. If I'm not constantly thinking about how right I am before God, what's the default setting? This is where we came from. This is the default setting. I keep thinking like a slave. I keep thinking, talking, acting like a slave. And that's why you have these convictions going, that's not you anymore. Why? Because you've come out of that. Now you've got to change the way that you think. And don't just go, oh God, please help me change the way I think. Amen. You have to actively go after this and you have to take, here's my thought, Lord. This is what I got in the slave market, but I don't see that in your word. So either you're wrong and this is right, or this is wrong and that's right. And my word says, let God be found true and every man a liar. So I have to go to this and I have to change the way that I think so it matches up with this. I can't change the word to match up my slave mentality. That will never work. Okay. So now having a righteousness conscience, it alerts your spiritual senses to see what heaven sees. This is what a righteous mindset does. When you become righteous conscience, you're actually able to perceive and see what heaven sees. Rather than looking at this all doom and gloom, go, whoo, what an opportunity this is now for the church to rise. Rather than, oh, I just can't believe so-and-so. It's because you're still attached to the old nature's thoughts. And now you're still thinking like that. Stupid. Okay. You don't mind me calling some stupid, there's some stupid thinking. Anybody ever have a stupid thought? Plenty of them. Okay. Now, you are not doing God any favors by having or continuing to live in a sin-conscious mindset. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 43, 25. This is what the father says. He said, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for whose sake? For his own sake. And he says what? I will never think of them again. So why are you? I feel bad. Great. Feel bad all you want. That doesn't change anything. When does it start to change? A new righteous mindset. Now, so now... Again, I like to answer these questions, what do I do? I answer that, I ask myself that question a lot. What do I do? If this is true, what do I do? I have to get closely acquainted with what the blood of Jesus has done for me. It's time for the church that we begin to speak the truth from the perspective of the blood of Jesus, not the perspective of the slave market. It is so easy because our whole world is filled and it's so easy to talk like the slave market. I need to start seeing, I need to start speaking and thinking from the perspective of the blood that poured down that cross for me. Can I have the worship? Would you guys come up again? We're gonna, I wanna just sing a song in closing on this, but I wanna give you a couple of thoughts here. The blood of Jesus. Here you go, ready to go? Because of the blood of Jesus... The Father sees me just as if I've never sinned. I'll never experience the wrath of God. Nice. Romans 5.9. I'm going to just give you these. If you want to write them down, they'll be in the notes this week as well. Nice. But I want to just read a couple of because of Jesus statements to you. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been completely bought and paid for. Ephesians 1.7. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been completely cleansed from that old nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Because of the blood of Jesus, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13. Because of the blood of Jesus, the enemy's accusations have been silenced, Colossians 2.15. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been brought near to the Father, Ephesians 2.13. Because of the blood of Jesus, I have been purchased to a never-ending redemption, 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Because of the blood of Jesus, I am free. Galatians 5.1. Because of the blood of Jesus, my conscience is free from guilt. Hebrews 10.22. Because of the blood of Jesus, I don't live in condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been separated from this world and I can now live in a way that pleases God. Galatians 2.20. Because of the blood of Jesus, I proclaim and I live in total victory. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. Because of the blood of Jesus, I can enter the holiest of holies boldly. Do you know why this, this verse really just hit me when I was reading? I'm going to read it to you here in a sec. But remember, the book of Hebrews, who are they writing to? To Hebrews. And what did they know about the the most holy of holies? What was their experience with it? Hey, before you go in, I'm going to tie a rope around your ankle. Because if you don't come out, you're dead. So we have to pull you out. There was no access into the holy of holies, into our Father's presence that sometimes we just take so much granted for. Or don't even think about. These guys, before they would go in there and say, hold, hold on, hold on. Got to tie this around you, tie this around you. Okay, you're good. Don't screw up. And he would walk in there with his sacrifice. So obviously, I mean, how do you think that they knew to tie a, a rope around somebody's ankle? Obviously, there had to have been some deaths. Hey, where, where's, where's Bob? I, he went in, but I have no idea. He didn't make it. Why? Because of the sin nature that man lived in. And he didn't do it right according to the law. He didn't present his sacrifice right. So therefore, it's not that God was angry at him and killed him. It's that, hey, you can't, as a sinful being, you can't enter the presence of a holy God and you do it improperly. There's no chance for you. It's not God's mad at you. Sin cannot survive where God dwells. (laughs) Out it went. But now, let me just read you this. In Romans or Hebrews chapter 10, Do we have that verse 19 through 25? It says, now, come on, say it with me. Now, Now. we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. We're siblings. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove, remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So verse 23, so now wrap your hearts tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promise. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works of expression of love. Why? Because you're fully embraced. There's no more conscience of sin. Verse 25, he goes on to say, this is not the time to pull away, to neglect our meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. 
In fact, we should come together more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day coming. Why can we do all of this? Because the blood of Jesus has given you and I access to a holy God. Now, in his presence, Pastor Jamie said this earlier, there's fullness of joy. When you get in his presence, everything else is taken care of. How is this going to happen? That's not your deal to work, figure out. How am I going to, don't stop it. You have to need focus on this. I wrap my heart with this truth. I have full access to come to my Holy Father, all because of the blood of Jesus. So this morning, whatever you have need of today, I plead the blood of Jesus over I plead the blood of Jesus over it. If it's a family member that hasn't received the Lord yet, I plead the blood of Jesus over. We plead the blood. So would you just stand with with me as we just finish off this? I want to take some time just to sing about the blood of Jesus. So what are we doing? We're talking and living from the perspective of the blood of Jesus, not from my old lifestyle, not from that old way of thinking. Amen? Let's do that. Father, we just come before you right now. And again, let's just on purpose, I enter boldly into your throne room of grace. I have access there, complete access because of the blood of Jesus. So right now, Father, I receive help. I receive your grace concerning my life, concerning my home, concerning my finances, concerning this body. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name.